0: Scribes and Scribblers, welcome to The Nib Section, the first episode of 2021 with us today. One of our recurring co-hosts, Sharon. Hi, everyone. And I'm Diana Dye. Guys, it's just the two of us today. We are run ragged. This is the end of a Sunday afternoon. We are recording at the beginning of February for the first episode of The Nib Section for the year. It's only two of us, no tab this week, because we held this recording session at very short notice. But we do have some very exciting things to share with you today. So we thought we'd just record it um, and hopefully you'll find some of this
1: interesting. So we may as well kick off with the usual section. Uh, What are we writing with? What are you writing with? I see some similarities in what we're writing with today.
0: I'm writing with a pen that I will be talking about later in a later segment. Um, It was my very last purchase of 2020 I believe and I may have mentioned it in I may have mentioned it in our very last end of year episode it was an impulse purchase I made from Nagasawa Umeda um, after I saw it on their Instagram and I thought I really need that
1: Uh, So this was the one, um, listeners, that Diana cut our last episode short to run home and pick up her FedEx package for.
0: This pen, it was delivered on a Sunday, folks, by FedEx. (laughs) And I gave them authorization to leave it outside my house. So I was very eager to get home before someone snatched it from my front door. (laughs) Okay, enough beating around the bush. The pen that... I brushed home to get at the end of 2020 is a Nakaya Piccolo cigar. So it's the model that doesn't have a clip. I don't know what style of Urushi you call this, but it is a base color that's sort of a mauvey gray. Um, It's a discontinued. Sharon.
1: It's a purple. It's like a mauvey, purpley, slightly pink. It's
0: a very unique colour. So when I first saw the image of this pen, I thought, oh, that's a pretty pink pen. But the more I looked at it, the more nuance I saw in the colour. So it's a discontinued shade of Urushi called Tokiiro, which I think is based on a, a bird that is a national bird of Japan. I actually Googled this bird. It doesn't look anything like this colour of this pen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so what does the bird look like?
0: It looks... I think the feathers are white and like a salmon colour. Nothing like this pinkish
1: purple colour. Okay, because that doesn't look anything close to being salmon. If salmon looked like that colour, you would not want to eat it. Correct. So the base is
0: this purpley pinkish mauve and across it um, in really beautiful Urushi in Makie is wisteria flowers in gold and green and like really lovely colours. It's so
1: feminine and it's so pretty. It's it's a very unique and very calming pen. Um, it's Even though the base lacquer is quite bright in terms of the tone of the colour, it um, isn't glaring and the rest of the colours are so muted that it kind of brings it all back together very cohesively. Mm-hmm. I think it's beautiful.
0: I agree. I It's more beautiful than I expected. In the very short period of time after I paid for it, and before it arrived, I had a bit of second thought because I, I purchased it so impulsively. Um, I thought maybe it'll arrive and it'll be a shade of pink that's completely different to the photos and I won't like it. But then it did arrive and it's actually prettier than I expected, which is the most you can hope for. So um, that's what I'm writing with. The Nakaya Piccolo Cigar in the Toki lacquer Lacquer with the Fuji Makie. And the nib is a soft fine that Nakaya's um, Nibmeister fitted on and tuned for me. And what ink? Ah, the ink is very special. So when the pen arrived, before I inked it with any other (laughs) colours, I ran a little, um, what do you call it? Instagram poll. A little Instagram poll on my stories um, with four choices of ink and the winner by far was Dye Mine Handle. And which one did you
1: vote for, Sharon? So I was fully of the opinion that everyone else didn't have taste because the only colour that should have gone into this pen is um, Ebisu Gold from Kobe. Kobe Ebisu Gold, which is like this rustic, golden, yellowy, very, very unique colour. And it just so happens to be the exact colour of the gold um, accents in the wisteria flowers on this pen. Whereas everyone else kind of looked at the base purple colour and said, I'm going to pick a purple purple ink. Oh, come on, guys. We can do better than that. With all the colours of the rainbow that we can play with at the moment, we can pick a better colour than just a purple to match the base Urushi. Urushi. So, I was very disappointed when I saw that Diamine one because Ebisu Gold should have been the winner, could have been the winner. Well, it was in my top four, which is why it was one of the choices. But I heard
0: it came last in the actual voting. (laughs) That is true. But you were in very good company. The other person who voted for that colour was um, Incantadora. So, Anna Chiki also had very good taste. But... Dime Mine Handle was the winner. And I think you have to agree, it's a very lovely colour and it matches the colour of the base Urushi very, very well. It's a muted purple with a bit of a pink undertone.
1: It's a basic colour. So, yeah, it's all right if you're into that. (laughs)
0: And what are you writing with, Sharon?
1: I too am writing with a Nakaya Piccolo cigar, the exact same shape of pen that uh, Dai was writing with. Except mine is um, a version that actually, funny enough, was also an impulse buy. Except I impulse bought it in uh, Japan at, I think it was at the Tsutaya, Tsutaya Bookstore in Ginza 6, the launch of that store. So when that store first opened, they had the most amazing selection of Nakayas. I went in, I bought four in the one go because I'd never seen so many Nakayas all in one place. And so many special edition Nakayas. So the one that I have is, um, has a really long name as well. So it's got, it's called the Midori Tamanuri. So it's Midori, which is green, it's green lacquer, uh, Tamanuri. So it's got the Urushi on top, which is looks black, but um, as you use it or with time, it should fade into, not clear, but clearer than black if i can put it that way a bit more transparent than black um and it has a technique they call the yako makie. please do not crucify me on my uh, pronunciation i am not japanese just going to put it out there for all you people who happen to think we're japanese i'm not um so Yako makie. um and it's the cats edition So it has all different types of cats um, uh, motif on it. So the cats are done with black lacquer. And so it's a raised lacquer pen. So the black lacquer actually stands up uh, on a different dimension than the green base lacquer. And so the idea is that as time goes by, your entirely black pen when you first buy it is meant to fade to a dark green background with little cats coming out of the um, green background.
0: I've seen this pen, I think, a few times in person, and I've never looked closely at what looks like a completely black pen with, like, slightly raised textures in places. And this is the first time I look closely enough to notice that the r- little raised patches are actually, like, stylized cats in different positions. So uh, I think that's really interesting. It. I really find it hard to imagine what it's going to look like when it wears down. Are there images of it online?
1: Yeah, so on the Nakaya website, you can actually see what a version of this looks like after it's been, after the Tamanuri finish has worn down a bit and you see more of the green peeking through. Um, It's really cute. I will say the cats. It's not the fanciest of uh, makie. It's very abstract pictures of the cats, but it's very, it's a very playful pen. And it's one that I didn't think I would actually buy because And it's not one that's going to photograph very well, so I apologise in advance. It's just going to look like black pen with blobs on it, so you're warned. Uh, But in person, it's quite unique, and it's very, very textured. It's really nice to uh, rub. It's just nice if you're, like, thinking about something and you want something to, like, rub your thumb against. It's a very interesting-feeling pen that you can just rub up against and you're actually helping the finish. And mine also comes with a, one of their soft nibs. It comes with a soft medium nib. And I've inked it with Sailor uh, Bungu Box Norwegian Wood, which is a very, very dark green. Uh, looks almost black, but it, come, it actually has a really strong green tone throughout it. And uh, it also matches this pen because it's a dark ink that's got that deep green coming through.
0: Okay, Um, there was going to be a section on news and feedback, but I didn't get time to check feedback, and I don't think we've gotten any (laughs) over the holidays. So if you want us to read any reviews, you actually have to write them in. So we encourage you, if you enjoy listening to the podcast, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, or you can email us with your review, and we will read it in the show.
1: So this isn't quite a review. It was a message sent to me by... um a co-worker, you know who you are, who's started listening to the podcast and she has the distinct pleasure of being in Singapore, one of the best places if you're a pen person and her review basically said, uh, you are such a geek, this is the cutest, I've given you five stars, so funny, Um, I know you don't want me to laugh at it but you're talking nibs and hugs in a pen it makes me want a pen for my birthday. <laughs> I mean, that's the best we can hope
0: for, right? To get people who've never thought about buying a pen for themselves to actually want to take that journey with us <laughs> and learn new things. They so thank you,
1: coworker <laughs> in Singapore <laughs> who left us a review. And thanks for the five stars. I didn't have to even bribe you for that. So really appreciate it.
0: <laughs> and yes, definitely go and buy that pen. Sharon will give you lots and lots of suggestions for your first pen. Next up, this topic was quite stressful, um, but we thought we'd get it out of the way because um, if you're not going to do this at the beginning of a year, then when are you going to do it? We're going to talk about the state of our collection and where we want it to go in 2021 Um, because at the end of 2020, we were talking about how it was a pretty slow year for us in terms of acquisitions and maybe we want to be more um, circumspect and exercise better judgment and financial responsibility
1: going forward um how are we doing there so this is very true um especially the part about financial responsibility i very i echo everything you say about financial responsibility um this was a real wake-up call for me this year and i get a lot i do get a lot of questions i get a lot of um messages on the side asking me what is it that i buy And it's a hard question to answer, so I'm going to tackle it all at once. And I know last time I said that 2020 was a very slow year for acquisitions. I take it back. Uh, I take it all back because if you will recall, at the beginning of 2020, we did sort of like a collection, state of the collection, um, brief, very brief um, summary. And at the time, I was standing at a 160 or 170 pens with the very good intention of cutting it back down to less than 150, ideally less than 100. And after last year, I thought this would be really easy because I didn't really buy that much last year. Well, wrong. I did an inventory of everything. And this is quite embarrassing. So I'm just going to, you know, pull the bandage off. My collection currently stands at 225, which excludes Kakuno's and Pilot Petites. Mm-hmm. And notably, of my 225, I have three steel nibs that are included in that count. Uh, two of them are Twisby's. One is an Opus 88. Oh, wrong, four. And I also have a Franklin Kristoff, which has a steel nib on it. The rest are all gold nibs and i am very very skewed in my collection i have over 40% of my collection which are pilots um i have 91 pilots embarrassingly of which the numbers break down to 19 vanishing points and an embarrassing 65 decimos <laughs>
0: um so I can't even judge you for having that many pilot decimos because most of them are unique and limited edition or special edition. And you went to quite a lot of effort to get a lot of them. Pilot certainly isn't making it easy for you to stop collecting them because they keep producing like new and interesting collections. Um, But I just want to know how many of those pilot decimos were acquired in the last two years. So since you tried cutting back your pen collection.
1: <laughs> you didn't have to put it that way. Um, so I got all of the 20 of the special edition, like the aluminite finish. Um, I pre-ordered them when we did the Japan episode and I took those sneaky photos that I, wa- weren't, I wasn't allowed to take. That was a full year and a half ago. Can you imagine? Almost two years ago, almost two years ago, because it was at the Marazen Pen Festival 2019 that I saw them. So I pre-ordered all 20, and I ordered a backup of my favourite colour, which was the light blue. Um, Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful blue. If you can imagine, it's like Sailor Sauten in a pen. Um, I ordered two of that one. So that accounts for 21 of the 65 decimos. And in 2019, I w- I subjected myself to decimania. Uh, I believe that was the term that was coined, and I would have acquired probably the large portion of um, those decimos. I think I probably had about 10 or 15 before 2019.
0: My collection, there has been, there was a period of very. Sp- Fast acquisition, fast and steady acquisition between 2015 and 2018, I would say. And then at the end of 2018, beginning of 2019, I did a pretty big purge. I got rid of at least 20 pens and the bulk of my Sailor
1: Pro Gear Slims. And that was a great time for anyone who was on Fountain Pens Oceania because she was letting them off at great prices. That is
0: true. But um, so my my Sailor collection during 2019, 2018 went from like 30 something, I think, down to less than 10. And I did that purposefully because um, I found that the ProGlear Slims weren't working for me. And also because it brought my pen um, collection total down to a very manageable and um, relief inducing like 70 or 80 or so. And um, i would already set, I will limit my collection to 100 pens and I will not exceed that. That's not counting Kakunos and Pilot Petites, of course, same as Sharon. 100 was going to be my limit and selling all of those sailors helped me stay well below that limit. But slowly, slowly over the last two years, during which I barely sold anything, um, it's been creeping up and up and up and up and um, I realised at the end of 2020 that i I was going to hit 100 very, very quickly. So I've decided, and you've heard it second, because I told Sharon just an hour ago, I'm going to be selling some of my pens. Keep an eye out on Fountain Pens Oceano once I've decided which ones. Uh, but yes, I, I need to cut down because I've also got some new stuff coming in. That's not to mention the pen she just bought today. Yes, we can talk about that later. <laughs> I did buy a pen today. I picked out that Pert pen today with the safe knowledge in my heart that it's not going to take me over. And even if it did, I was going to sell some pens soon. So um, yes, I, I felt better about it. <laughs> in my collection, as I said, I've really cut down on sailors, but the pens that I've held on to have tended to be um, discontinued models and the pens with the nips that I really, really like. So um, I've kept a lot of omas mainly for their nibs and um all of my uh, st Dupont olympios and um recently like in the last couple of years most of my acquisitions have been i think nakayas and pilots for the main part um the japanese models
1: yeah so i am on a similar trajectory only probably multiplied by two slash two and a half to what dies on um I have, my collection has remained relatively consistent in terms of the top pens, top pen brands. I tend to gravitate towards certain pen brands and I don't tend to venture out past that because every time I have done so, it has resulted in disappointment and a lot of whinging on my behalf. Um, my top brands um, have been really consistent with Pilot Sailor Pelican coming in at equal second and then Nakaya in third slash fourth place. And what I've noticed is that there are what I would call my daily users which don't tend to get rotated out much. So I keep two decimos at work um, or in my bag for use at work all the time. I keep one at home for use all the time. And then my daily usage pens tend to be Pelicans. I've got one Lamy that I'm particularly attached to, one Sailor and blanking on the last one that I tend to use, a uh, uh, Pilot Falcon. I happen to really like the Pilot Falcon as a daily writer. Um, I don't tend to gravitate away from those as daily writers. So if I'm not going to gravitate away from those as a daily writer, everything else that I sh- should be getting to supplement my collection should be things which um, – are hitting different marks than what I'm already using on the daily.
0: Okay, that does make sense Um, because maybe more so than you, I actually write with more of my collection. So you have pens that you collect that you never write with, correct?
1: Uh, Yes, I have a bucket of very, very expensive pens that I don't tend to ink up. Because I buy them not because they're a functional pen. I buy them because they are a piece of artwork.
0: My daily writers and my regularly inked pens, I think, probably see more rotation um, than Sharon's. So I always have a Pilot VP inked. And um, right now I, I always have a click cap pen that I have filled with a red ink. So it's just a quick draw. And apart from those two, it can be anything. It could be an Olympio it could be an Aurora Optima. It could be a Pilot 743. Those have been um, some of my most commonly inked pens in the last year or so. I tend to ink all of my pens at one point or another with um, a few exceptions. And those exceptions tend to be my Omas Piston Fillers because I I love Omas. I love their nibs, but their pistons are um, – I wouldn't say shit, but um, they – they are very difficult to clean and because Omas is no longer in business, I can't even get them serviced properly anymore, um, which is why I'm, I'm really considering either taking the nibs out or um, moving some of those pens that I really don't want to bother with, um, moving them along to new owners.
1: Yeah, so I think for me, once I really um, enjoy using a pen, I don't tend to let go of it. It almost always stays inked. And sometimes I switch uh, certain pens out. So I do have a couple of pens in rotation, quote unquote, in rotation. And uh, so there are a couple of DuPonts. And I also have a couple of Franklin Christophs, actually, that have recently made it into the rotation uh, because when I've tried them, they've really impressed me with their performance they wouldn't dethrone my favorite everyday writers um, because my favorite everyday writers have just done no wrong from my perspective. And so I like to stick with something that is more familiar, more tried and true uh, if I'm going to be using it a lot more. It's not to say I won't ink pens. I do tend to ink about 60 or 70% of my collection uh, has been inked. Um, That's quite a bit up from this time last year. So if this time last year, I would have said maybe about 50 or 40% of my collection was inked, but now I'd say it's probably about 60, 70%. And I tend to ink them and I go, oh, the feeling that I absolutely loathe, and it's happened a couple of times, and it's happened a couple of times with Nakayas where I've bought them – blind. I, I've i bought them at a place where they didn't let me test the nib with ink. And I've inked them and I've gone, oh, I wish I didn't. Because once you ink it and the nib is kind of, uh, or it's not, it's not uh, like Nakaya nibs are never, uh, they're kind of, they don't blow your socks off. And if you, if you've inked a really good looking pen and they don't blow your socks off, it's like, unwrapping a really, really beautifully wrapped present to just find inside that someone's recycled, you know, some paper, giving you a recycled paper notebook um, when it's in a packaging you would expect of, you know, a really
0: la- nice Misubi notebook. So my experience with one of those is um, a pen that you purchased for me. You p- helped me order um, from Aesthetic Bay a couple of years ago. Um, it's the Piccolo long rider Raden Aogai Tsukushi. So it's a Deca, is it a a Piccolo long. Yes, it's a Piccolo long and it's just completely covered in Raden. Um, like it's, it's it's a, it's a, it's a good looking pen. It's a glitter bomb. It's a very good looking pen. And I asked for the EF, I believe. And when it arrived, I hated the nib.
1: Yes. So the EF was, um, I thought it was a brave choice on your behalf. I think it may have even been the extra, the ultra extra fine. Um, but it was a very brave choice on your behalf. It requires a very, 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 very light touch. And I know some people who love that nib because it can get you lines finer than you could ever imagine. It's finer than a 0.3, um, 0.3 like rollerball. But I thought that was a very brave choice.
0: But that was one of those experiences, like you mentioned, um, like the pen is so beautiful. But after that first experience of writing with it and just not having the nib work for me, I, like, I, I can't bear to touch it again because every time I write with it, it's such, such a disappointment. So at some point, it's I've had it in the queue to be sent to a nibmeister, someone who knows how to work with a UEF or an EF, because the platinum or Nakaya UEFs are just very very fine and i think quite
1: difficult to tune so it really needs to be sent
0: to someone who knows what they're doing um and i
1: will get that done eventually at some point or you can wait till when we're allowed to travel again go to one of the the nakaya pen clinics that they run and just get them to switch out the nib for you they'll knock it out and then give you a new nib
0: yeah that's a good idea too
1: (laughs) i might do that then you can switch it to a music
0: Last year, you said uh, at the very end of the year, you suddenly acquired a lot of pens, and I'm assuming they're
1: mostly decimos. Is that correct? Not correct. I bought a lot of Montblancs last year. So, I, I've, I've had a love-hate relationship with Montblanc for a very long time now. I hated them when I first started uh, collecting pens because my first Montblanc was a 145 Chopin when they first were released. Uh, So typical black cigar pen, cartridge converter, nothing special. I hated the nib I had, had on mine and I didn't stick with it. I bought it at the Mont Blanc boutique. It had gone back for service about three times and just didn't work for me. So I hated Mont Blanc. Then I managed to pick up a couple of the 146Rs, so the Bordeaux Burgundy older versions from the early 2000s, late 90s. Um, I picked up two of them, which I still own, and and think they were my second Mont Blancs, actually. And they were beautiful, fantastic pens, such a, a world apart from the 145s. And then since then, I've kind of gone on and I've owned a number of interesting special editions. So I've had a patron of the arts, Copernicus, which is the cylindrical, well, it's the concentric circle pen, um, which was very interesting. I didn't keep it. And then I've also owned a couple of writer's editions, which I've let go of. Um, None of them have been particularly thrilling until I met the Boheme Uh, and the special edition bohems. I loved the bohem. I think they were such an interesting mechanism, really, really interesting pen um, to actually write with. So it was a cartridge converter, retractable nib that had a very smooth twist mechanism. And they came in the cutest colours. They were like your perfect purse pen. And I, I think I own about seven of them, seven of them now in all different special edition finishes. I remember you were gutted when they discontinued the Bohem. I talk about it every time I'm in the Mont Blanc boutique, every time we, we go into Mont Blanc and they say, well, this is a new pen inspired by Marilyn Monroe or um, we'll talk about it later, or inspired by some other diva. I just go, Ugh, it's not a Bohème. <laughs> re- the Bohem was just Beautiful and was so different and so unique. And I can't believe they got rid of it, although I do understand why because it was a very fiddly pen and prone to breakages and hard to clean. They actually came out with a special cleaning mechanism for it. Um, They came out with like these pipettes that um, you could stick into your uh, BOEM. So they they were like a bulb syringe for the BOEM, except they were very long. Um, so It could fit down the channel of the BOEM and you would uh, clip it in as if you were clipping in a, a, a an international size cartridge and you just flush the pen out. Great mechanism. But the fact that they had to come out with something like that for this pen uh, tells you how high maintenance it was. So then after that, you know, we had we had our highs and lows, but when Mont Blanc came out with the Rouge Noir, that for me was a game changer. I loved the Heritage Rouge Noir collection that they did, the original snake pen, because it was so reminiscent of the vintage style Mont Blanc's. It had all of the design features that I loved with all of the modern gimmicks that you you want to have in a pen because it doesn't break. And I loved that collection and so towards the mid end of last year I well I didn't finish but I picked up quite a few of the heritage collection pens I picked up three or four of them last year I think four of them last year and they were an unexpected purchase so I probably went from about 12 to 18 Mont Blancs by the end of the year um I also picked up the Calligraphy Montblanc, which was the year before, actually, 2019, end of 2019, I picked up the Calligraphy, the Expression Flex nib that Montblanc came out with, which, by the way, is discontinued now. So I'm glad I have it. And it's a very, very interesting, unique nib, way better than all of the others out there, I have to say. This episode's actually going to be quite Mont Blanc heavy um,
0: because while we're talking about what's next on the horizon and what we have pre-ordered, a lot of those are Mont Blancs as well. Uh, So at the end of 2020, a lot of places on Instagram, on Facebook, uh, there was a bit of buzz about the Mont Blanc Le Petit Prince holiday edition. And it's a
1: gem on a nib. (laughs)
0: That's the um, selling point. It's a burgundy-coloured um, 146 model with some metal trim to give it a bit of weight. And the most uh, noticeable and remarkable selling point about this Liberty Plants special holiday edition. Gem
1: on a nib. It has a ruby on the nib.
0: It's got a pink stone embedded in the nib. Ruby. It's a, Is it a ruby? It's a ruby. Okay, it's a, it's a very small ruby, and I don't remember who it was that was saying, what, who would ever buy a fountain pen with a nib that had a gem in it? Well, apparently we would.
1: <laughs> me! They had me in mind! Thank you, Mont Blanc!
0: <laughs> when Sharon and I saw that, separately, we both decided we needed that pen with the ruby in the nib. I went into Mont Blanc in Cassaret Street in Sydney, and I saw it in person, and it is very beautiful. And it's actually a very good weight in the hand as well. Good size, good weight. The nib looks lovely and we've decided to pre-order it. And hopefully they'll arrive at some point in the next month or two. But yes, those are pre-orders from last year that we will hopefully get in the near future. But those are not the only Montblancs that we've pre-ordered. So before
1: we go off the stuff that we pre-ordered, I have to do a bit of a gush about this pen. There is nothing special about this pen other than the nib and other than the fact that it's got a ruby inset into the nib. And it is all sorts of I don't know that tacky is the right word, but let's go with tacky for the moment because there is no function. There is no purpose to have a ruby set into the nib. It doesn't do anything for flow. It doesn't do anything for your writing experience. It does nothing other than for you every time you pause in your writing to lift your pen up and go... I have a pen with a nib that has a ruby on it. What do you have? What are you writing with? And your little big stick, right? There is no good reason for you to have this pen other than to say to people, yeah, I got a ruby on my nib. But it's not the first time we've actually seen gemstones in a nib, but it is the first time I've seen gemstones in a nib that – I've kind of dropped everything and said, I'm going to pre-order. And I didn't just pre-order one. I pre-ordered two of these because I am so insistent that they had me in mind um, when they designed this pen. And it's everything I love. It's The Little Prince. I love the story of The Little Prince. I really like the burgundy resin that they use. And it's a ruby. How, How do you say no to a ruby? It's fantastic. I acknowledge that it was the holiday edition and holidays is you know Christmas and Christmas is well and gone by this point but we still haven't received our pens I think it's a really good set
0: for Valentine's Day you know red pink wrapping I'm pretty sure it comes with like a pink notebook and like a pink ink pink or burgundy ink the pen itself is like quite feminine um the stone is like pink or reddish you know I think it's more suitable as a Valentine edition than as a holiday edition. But that's just me. It's certainly going to come closer to Valentine's Day than Christmas.
1: Excitingly for this year, the other thing that we saw on Mont Blanc's official Instagram, they showed, they're such teasers. This is how they get me, right? Mont Blanc, and we did an episode on this, Mont Blanc are the masters of advertising and marketing. They really hook you in with their marketing uh, and how they appeal to all your senses. They posted on their official Instagram um, a story of a close-up of a Fude nib, so an upturned nib, on an unnamed special edition, although we now know it's the Great Wall special edition. Very, very, very pricey. Like, very pricey. Very. Did I mention very pricey? I mean... You'd be lucky if this one cost four, one, two, three, four, five, five digits. You'd be lucky. And this nib had a diamond on it. Not only was it a a nib, but it had a diamond on it, right? And everything in me just went, oh my gosh, that's my nib. That, that is me in a nib. I want a, I want a diamond in
0: a specialty nib. The reason that we're recording so late on a Sunday afternoon is because the two of us just came back from the Mont Blanc boutique on Castle Rake Street. Very busy this weekend because it's the weekend before Valentine's Day. Um, But we were there for a special event called the Black and White event.
1: So what this event basically is, it's like you get a Mont Blanc Blanc catalogue for all of 2021 and the beginning of 2022, except you get to actually see the pieces in person and they show you what is upcoming for the next year in terms of both new special editions as well as their limited editions, the new patron of the arts, as well as they tease you for a couple of other new collaborations that they've got coming out. And so you get to see all all of the Mont Blanc releases in one go in a very short period of time and then you get to choose what is going to be on your wish list and you can start saving your pennies. Two caveats it's not going to be all
0: the um, pens that are going to be released it's say a choice selection of what is most likely to come into your particular boutique. So some of the more more exclusive models like the limited editions that are limited to like three digit runs. <laughs> Typically, the very, very exclusive models, we didn't see those. We don't see all the models, but it's like um, a selection
1: of what is going to be coming into the store. The stuff that we saw, let's just run through them. So the first thing that we saw was that they said they were getting rid of the Petit Prince special edition range. So if you were into the blue um, waves, the, the the brown aviator or the burgundy star versions go get them now because they're no longer making them. Instead, they're coming out with the new uh, Around the World in 80 Days version, which in their first run, they're just coming out with a blue resin, a blue resin duo. So it has a metal cap and metal end piston, but the body's still resin. And then they're coming out with a full blue lacquer version. This one you quite liked. It was like this
0: bright blue enamel against like a darker blue, I believe, they wouldn't let us take any photos because all the pens were for sample only, not for purchase, and apparently not for taking photos either. So um, I'm already there. We thought we'd record this quickly because they're already slipping our minds now. I, I believe it was like a dark blue resin and behind it was like a very bright enamel color. Maybe I'm wrong.
1: If you go like a royal blue, it was like a royal blue uh, lacquer with... Uh, silver swirls on top I actually quite like the resin so the resin is a slightly more muted blue it's a different colour to the Petit Prince blue it's a bit more muted and it has um, swirls engraved on it on the top cap band it says um, 80 has the number 80 on it obviously inspired by Jules Verne is it? Jules Verne uh, around the world in 80 days the pen, the nib was actually pretty cool The nib has a hot air balloon engraved on it. And
0: um, on the blue resin version, it's just, I think, rhodium trim. And on the beautiful enamel um, with engraved silver version, it's got a, a rhodium nib And the hot air balloon, I think, is in either gold or rose gold.
1: Yeah. And on the actual pen itself, on the lacquer version, there's a plaque on the lacquer version. There's a silver plaque on the cap, which is quite unique. And that's not something that they did for the Petit Prince version.
0: On the cap, um, if my memory serves, it's a little engraved image of a steam engine boat like a steamboat. So um, it's been a long time since I've either read or seen a film adaptation of Around the World in 80 Days, but I know he travels by train, by um, steamboat, by hot air balloon, and maybe something else. So, you know, all the hot gadgets and high-tech mobile devices of the last century. (laughs) And the most remarkable um, theme that runs through all the models, I think, is the wave design, like the concentric circle, concentric half circles. And so did you pre-order one of these? I did pre-order one of the enameled, the royal blue enamel version. So that's the one with the two-toned
1: nib. So then the next one that we saw was um, they're replacing the Marilyn Monroe. And I've never been a fan of the Marilyn Monroe but I did hear for the first time today. So evidently I haven't been reading the marketing bump. um, The Marilyn Monroe pen was stylized after a Salvatore Ferragamo shoe. And now that I look at the pen and I hold it upright, I'm like, that looks like my Salvatore Ferragamo heel. Actually, it does look like the heel on one of my shoes. So there you have it. That is no longer going to be produced. The Marilyn Monroe, they've gotten sick of having Marilyn as their muse. They're bringing on another diva, uh, which is uh, Elizabeth Taylor. They're doing an Elizabeth Taylor edition, which is a completely different shape. It is very, um, it's a pointy pen. So it's very, very tapered, um, but it tapers to a point at both the top and the bottom. Um, It's blue marble uh, lacquer. So it reminds me of the Vanishing Point Turquoise Turquoise, Limited Edition from 2019 in that it's that type of marbled lacquer finish. I'm not going to get the
0: Elizabeth Taylor, but there were two things that I really liked about it. One was the effect of the lacquer and the colour of it. As uh, Sharon said, it's got that marbled, textured lacquer look. Mm
1: another blue pen. They're really into their blue pens this year.
0: I wouldn't call the color blue. I would call it Elizabeth Taylor violet because it's like a violet blue that I thought immediately was meant to mimic the color of her legendary eyes. And the other thing I really liked about the pen, it has a little circle. It's got a, at the very tip of the cap, it's got a little ring that I think you're meant to hook a necklace or a chain or something onto.
1: And I think that's just a really unique little touch. So in lieu of the clip, it's got this ring. And the ring is reminiscent of the old ring top pens, except it's in the position where you normally have the clip. Me, personally, I did not like the lacquer. I thought the lacquer looked very cheap for a Montblanc. Because it reminded me so much of the turquoise vanishing point, which you can get for less than a fraction of the price, it, to me, just looked a bit cheap. Um, It looked like Mont Blanc trying to you know, keep up with the Joneses. And the nib is tiny. It doesn't have the horrid step down that the Marilyn had. But I looked at it and I just thought, this is a pen that they've designed with women in mind or for women. I kind of hated it. It was my least favourite of all the pens we saw today.
0: The next tray that she brought up was very glittery. It was the, this year's Patron of the Arts and I think it was Napoleon. So this is very, very showy. It feels bad to say so, but it's like a pen for someone who, you know, maybe has a little bit of a shortness of stature problem.
1: Napoleon Complex. Exactly.
0: Um, So we saw two, um, one which is more of the regular um, edition and one which is like a very, very limited edition, a more entry level
1: version. I don't even remember what it looks like. Both the pens had bees on it. So that was the most striking part of it, that the pattern on these pens was an overlay um, either in the actual lacquer itself, so they're lacquered pens, um, either in the lacquer of uh, the entry level, it's just bees, so it was again a blue. It was a blue base. I told you, Mont Blanc's all about the blue, and so it was blue base. Um, the entry level, it was gold trim, and it, and the actual blue underneath was um, kind of like the pelican blue bind, 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 bind the blue stripey things that Pelican does. It looked basically like that, but the stripes were closer together and then it had bees on top of it in a very uniform um, pattern.
0: I'm going to say that the this patron of the arts, in fact, most patron of the arts are very gaudy pens. like They're very over the top and this one more so than many I've ever seen. If you look at every single set part of the pen, just uh, as a caveat, we are doing this from Recollection. So we don't have an image of it in front of us. We could probably Google one, but um, just going by what I remember of it, the things that stuck out to me was all the bees, so many bees. The top of the cap was incredibly ornate. Um, there were these leaf designs of laurel and olive branches All over it, you know, the Caesar imagery galore. It was both feminine and kind of Rococo
1: at the same time. You know, it's it's really hard to describe. So I would agree with the Rococo description. For me, the most interesting part of it was that they took from Pelican and basically borrowed a Pelican M800 blue body. And they kind of like shrunk it and made the black parts less visible. And they slapped a Mont Blanc sticker over it and put bees over it. And the part that disappointed me the most was that the engraving on the nib was a face of Napoleon with the tricorn cap. Hat. Tricorn. Tricorn hat. We are neither French nor Japanese. <laughs> the regular version is was a very it was very easy for me to say, yeah, thank you, next. Um the stepped up version, the blinged out version, was so bling. It was a, so. It was a precious metal overlay. I couldn't even tell you what type of precious metal it was, but it was um, silver coloured on top. And the cutting on this, I will give Montblanc kudos and credit where credit is due. The cutting on it was next level in that the, the cutting made the entire pen sparkle. It looked like the pen was covered in either glitter or diamonds. My
0: sales associate was very excited to show this to me because I like the skeleton pens. Like the last um, Bridget Kipling I bought was a skeleton pen.
1: Di's sales associate brought this out and said, "Die, you're going to buy this <laughs> pen. You're going to buy this pen. And I looked at it and all I thought to myself was, oh, no, she ain't. <laughs> This pen.
0: Where do I start? So when she put it down, the lights in the Mont Blanc boutique are quite bright overhead lights, and when she set it down, I thought it was the whole thing was like encrusted with diamonds or something. Um, The metal overlay, the edges of all the curves and the cage of the metal were—it was like it was faceted. So however you turned the pen, it looked like it was covered in glitter or diamonds. It was so sparkly. So you had like the precious metal overlay, which was shining like diamonds. And then you had this royal
1: intense blue all over the pen as well. It was just, it was a lot for the senses. Yeah, it was. And we actually had to take a moment where we said, "Hey, on a sec, let's look at this pen in a bit more detail. I wish I brought a loop. I mean, that sounds like such a dumb thing to say, but because you don't normally go out with a loop, but I wish I brought a loop. But when you held this pen, we honestly thought there there were gemstones in it because of the cutting and how it looked under the bright incandescent
0: lighting. I think the bees as a whole, while I understand um, how it ties into the theme, well, I understand insofar as like all the French brands seem to like bees and link it with Napoleon and his wife, um, his wife Josephine the first thing I thought of when I saw the bees was the French jewellery brand Chomay, which also produced jewellery for Napoleon and his wife. And they have a collection, which is like full of bees as well. It's called Bee, my love. (laughs) But there's also like a garden or or tents or something version uh, collection, which is also like bees all over. Like neither of us are French, like we said, but there's apparently something going on. There's like this imagery around Napoleon, and bees and we'd appreciate you know maybe some of our listeners knows more about this history than we do and why why you associate this little man who's like a conqueror and a you know a national hero villain slash whatever um and somehow think bees when you think of napoleon it's it's very strange to me and um, when i saw the bees over this pen seemed kind of out of place
1: it was no copernicus the copernicus for me, still up there in terms of great Mont Blanc patron of the arts. I think it was a patron of the arts. Please don't crucify me if I get that wrong. So then the next one we saw was... Dun, 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 calligraphy nibs. <laughs>
0: um, so the story that our associate said was that Mont Blanc have decided to make the calligraphy nibs an annual run. Basically, the 2019 run was the one for... Uh, 9 flex and the 146 size which is the black and gold lacquer which also had the flex nib Uh, so those were the expression nibs for 2019 and what was meant to come out in 2020 but was pushed back now into 2021 is what we're seeing now which is a 146 model with a new type of flex nib. The sales associate said it was a slightly different flexy expression
1: nib. Sharon's nodding, shaking her head. She says it's the same. So in 2019, Montblanc came out with their first calligraphy nib, which was the flex nib, the expression flex nib. And they came out with this nib in the 149 model and also in the 146. 149 was an extra fine to like what they call a double broad uh, flex. I own that pen. It's a pretty good pen, not gonna lie, pretty good pen. Really expensive, but pretty good pen. And also, really interestingly, it was an 18 carat flex. Quite a quite a solid pen, great writer, and in a 149 bodies, and it was my first 149. Uh, it also came in the 146, which was slightly stubbish. And so it had a 0.6 um, 0.6 millimeter nib which was more square cut than the extra fine on the 149 and that was also flexible. They've now ceased production of these nibs. Instead what they're coming out with is what they call their year 2 calligraphy nib which is a which is meant to be a fude nib. So it's got a slightly upturned front of it. It's meant to write a bit like a brush and we did talk about fude nibs in I think our last episode. So this year's a calligraphy nib is a Fude nib, and for those 149 aficionados, it doesn't come in a 149 this year. So the Fude nib only comes in a 146 black resin, and also it comes in a very, very attractive red gradient 146. Um, solitaire I think it's the solitaire version so it's an enamel with the metal body underneath no resin inside but it is a gradient red so it goes from like a dark red to a slightly uh, lighter red to a orange color in the center, slightly darkish orange, but it's a beautiful gradient. It's the first time I've ever seen Mont Blanc do something like this. And it's meant to come with the calligraphy nib, which is the Fude upturned nib. I pre-ordered both. I pre-ordered both the black resin and the red. So what is causing confusion for both us
0: Um, as buyers, and also I think some of the sales associates, is that 2020 really threw a wrench in a lot of the release schedules. So what we saw today at the special event was both of these bodies, so just the normal resin 146 and the solitaire um, red gradient enamel, one four six size. Um, those two pens, but with the old flex expression nibs. So they they weren't Fude nibs.
1: So the nibs that we saw today weren't even the old expression, and they they had they had the old they had the imprint of the calligraphy. But the nibs that we saw today were, looked like from. at least from my uh, eye, they looked like double broad nibs. They actually just looked like regular stock standard double broad nibs on a 146, but with the calligraphy engraving. So it had the wrong nib on the sample pens. And also they couldn't confirm whether or not this year's calligraphy nib was the upturned Fude nib. But we did see photos um, that one of the sales associates showed us um, from a training event, which did have the calligraphy upturned nibs. So the one thing that I am looking forward to today, uh, this year is these particular pens, because I think the food a nib and the fact that Montblanc is going into the food a nib territory. Fantastic. I, I think it's great. Um, And I'm really excited to actually get my hands on it. I'm a bit disappointed they're not doing it in the 149 because I would have liked to have a collection of the calligraphy Montblanc nibs. But hey, it's better than nothing. If you collect them for long enough, you will still have a collection. Because what I'm
0: assuming is that they'll do maybe one year 149s and one year 146s. Maybe alternate.
1: Well, what we got told was that they're trying to perfect the craft of these calligraphy nibs. And hopefully we're giving them lots of time to perfect them because these pens aren't due to be released in Australia at the very least until December 2021 or even 2022. So I've pre-ordered pens that I'm not going to see for at least a year. The one thing that I will say is that I'm so glad they put that diamond encrusted a nib, nib. They released it for us mere mortals <laughs> in a much more affordable version. In a way, I'm actually glad that they've released it in the 146 because the 146 is much more affordable in Australia than the 149. The 149 is astonishingly high price tag. Like you get sticker shock when you see a 149 in Australia and how much it costs. And the calligraphy nibs add a 10 or 15% premium to the regular 149 price. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. I expect the 146 to be cheaper, the 146 red lacquer gradient. Oh, so good. That one won't be cheap.
0: The lacquer gradient one won't be cheap.
1: No, it won't be, but it's still worth at least seeing in person because it's gorgeous.
0: Sharon picked up uh, or she pre-ordered both, correct? Um, I pre-ordered neither because I think they'll be getting quite a number of these and I really want to see them in person before I decide. I concur that the red is really, really beautiful. It was just a little bit too heavy for
1: my particular, um, preferences. I expect that you take the red out to sign a very important document, or, um, I've been using food nibs to actually label envelopes, so anyone who's received a letter or a package from me recently will have seen that all of the envelopes were addressed with a food nib because I think they're perfect for that.
0: Oh, and maybe this is a little bit late, but um, if you're not well versed in Mont Blanc naming, um, the two most common Mont Blanc models that you'll see on the market are the 146 and the 149. So we'll just fill you in very quickly now. The 146 is the slightly smaller piston filler, cigar shaped, and the 149 is the scaled up, thicker, fatter, longer, bigger nib version. They're both, you know, plain black resin, no real ornamentation. They just look quite plain, which is why it's quite um, egregious that the 149 is so expensive because it's basically just a black plastic, precious resin, black precious resin pen with um, some gold trim.
1: Yes. Okay, so what was next? So the next thing they showed was this year's Writer's Edition, and this one I was excited for. Um, This year's Writer's Edition, do you want to tell them what it is? It's Sherlock Holmes,
0: or uh, actually it's um, Arthur Conan Doyle. And these are really nice looking pens. One, the resin version, I believe, is like a blue it's a muted bluey gray body Um, across the barrel there are these lines and um, dots which are meant to mimic a map of some sort from one of the Arthur Conan Doyle stories and um, on the cap there's a little clip that looks like a magnifying glass it's very cute. Uh,
1: Yeah so they've actually etched an entire map onto the Pen and so everything's divided into like squares and sections, and each of the streets on this map are actually engraved on there. So you'll see Baker Street engraved on there. Um, The whole design of it is really cute. And what Di mentioned around the magnifying glass so, in the regular edition, writer's edition, um, which is the blue resin uh, engraved, that magnifying glass is is hollow. But if you go for the more premium limited edition, well, both are limited, but the limited limited edition version, it actually comes with a magnifying glass in the actual clip. That is the
0: coolest bit of it. It really is. And do you remember um, what the more premium version actually looked like?
1: it was pretty disgusting not going to lie the best part of the more premium version was that clip with the magnifying glass on it the rest of the body was brown lacquer it was brown lacquer it was not an attractive brown lacquer it was um lacquer it was so it was lacquer and with ha- with a wooden piston knob and on it it looked like it was um, painted. It, it wasn't silver paint on it. I think it was actually dark black paint on the body. It was a poop
0: brown. What neither of us liked about the Arthur Conan Doyle was like the
1: Napoleon, there's a man's face on the nib. Yeah, who wants a man's face on your nib? Like, if I want a man's face on my nib, he better be looking like. Sorry, I'm blanking. No, he'd better be looking like if I want a man's face engraved on my nib, he'd better look like the Duke from Bridgerton, right? (laughs) I I didn't like the engraving. That was my least favorite part of it. Other than that, the resin version I thought was spectacular. This one does come with a one four six size nib for those who are real nib snobs and only like the one four nine size.
0: I've complained before about Montblanc's pen conceptualization, and I think I've discussed this with Annabelle as well. How they design their pens—often they're like they take a theme and then they try to like throw all these things that remind them of that theme onto the pen, and sometimes it just comes off as like trying too hard. But in this case, I really appreciated it because they were like all these design features were like little clues that you feel like someone who really appreciates Arthur Conan Doyle would really, really love. So I think people who like Arthur Conan Doyle will like this pen. And I have to say, I pre-ordered the resin one.
1: I did not pre-order the resin one. I expressed interest in the resin one. I will need to see if I can get over the um, man's face on the nib. Which I really, really dislike. So um, that was the end of the showing that we got. Uh, no, they had they had two other pens which Diana is just like not of interest to me, so I completely forgot about them. Oh, the They're the new Starwalkers. They've got a matte resin one with a ruthenium trim, and the dome is grey this year instead of blue. It's all right. And then they've got a one four six, which is. Uh, done in collaboration with Pirelli tires which is really cool because the actual pen itself has the exact same track marks as the Pirelli tires so if you're into that it actually looks really good it feels really good I don't know if it's the same like rubber that they make the Pirelli tires out of but it does have that feel and that texture to it and it's got red trim so it's a black all black pen but it's got red trim and which is Kind of sexy. Yeah, I like that one.
0: I wouldn't use it myself, but it, I think it'd be really nice as a gift. Uh, yes, that was the rundown that we got. There was the – let's run through them all if we can remember them. There was the 80 Days, uh, Jules Verne, uh, Around the World in 80 Days. There was the Patron of the Arts, Napoleon. There was the Elizabeth Taylor and the Writer's Edition, Arthur Conan Doyle. And the new Calligraphy Expression nib, which is the Upturn Fude in both the resin and the red enamel. And finally, the new Starwalkers and the Pirelli Tire 146. So those are the pens that we saw today. Um, and before we left the store, we were distracted by the store display. And that was when I made my other impulse purchase. Um, the first pen purchase of the year... It was a um, Egyptomania special edition and I learned what the difference between special edition and limited editions were Mont Blanc were. This is a special edition, which is, means it's not numbered and it's the special edition with the black resin body and the, what looks like brass trim. So it has a very, I'm going to say this and I think it was Mel um, or maybe Eileen on Fountain Pens Oceania who first Um, use this to describe the egyptomania pens but they look like very expensive y studio pens they're like um that sort of faceted body very similar in size to the y studio pens and just lighter
1: because they're made of resin. We did get the history of this particular pen, and I wasn't aware of this, but the this is part of the Montblanc Heritage range. So the Heritage came out with the Rouge Noir, which I love, and that was the snake pen, and then came out with the Rouge Noir Metamorphosis. I think it was still, I think it was still the Rouge Noir um, series, but the Metamorphosis, which is the spider. And now they've discontinued the snake, the spider, and they've come out with the new heritage pen, which is the Egyptomania, and that's this hexagonal pen. I really like the look of it. I don't know how I feel about the step-down in the grip section for this pen, but as a whole, this pen is very attractive and it's quite unique. I've not seen a hexagonal Mont Blanc before.
0: I remember from Back in September, actually, when my sales associate showed me the first photos of the heritage Egyptomania pen. And what surprised me from um, the information that she sent me was that this heritage design, like the Rouge Noir, is actually based on a collection that goes way back to Mont- into Mont Blanc history. So it was, I think, um, a very similar body was created in the 1920s, so back during um, Egypt fever, is that what it's called? You know, when they, they opened Tutankhamun's tomb and everyone was like crazy, um, both freaked out and in love with everything Egyptian. So this feels, you know, very in line with that sort of a theme. And it's amazing to think that it was 100 years ago.
1: It brings us round whole circle in terms of 2021 and kind of our peek into what's in line for 2021. All I can say is that someone must be feeling really blue See what I did there? Someone must be feeling really blue because almost all the pens we saw today were blue. So we can be expecting a lot of blues, but really interesting blues. So a lot of muted blues, which I quite like, and dusty blues coming up in the new year. And that also brings me to the topic that I wanted to discuss, not even a topic, just one little tidbit. So every single year I pick a blue ink and listeners who have been following know that in 2019, I had Pilot Iroshizuku Asagao in 2020, which was a flop. I had von Faber Castell Cobalt Blue. So what this is, is every year I pick a blue ink that I use almost religiously for my work notes, and that is the only blue ink that I use, so that all my notes are consistent for the entire year. And usually, by the end of the year, I will finish the entire bottle of ink. And I try every single year to go through an entire, well, two to three bottles of ink every single year. And I've been doing pretty well at that every single year up until twenty twenty flop. So last year, uh, the on Faber Castell Cobalt Blue, I didn't do so well. I still have a lot of it left. It didn't help that it was a 75ml bottle and I was very ambitious at the time. Uh, But this year I've decided to go with uh, the Kobe Nagasawa number 17 Shioya Blue as my blue ink of the year. Something a little bit brighter. After the doom and gloom that was last year, I wanted to go with something that was a little bit brighter. Not quite as sheeny as a lot of the other inks that we had. I, I think it's just a really well-behaved, great every single day ink. If
0: you don't have access to Kobe Shio or Blue, um, a very close cousin to it, well, two actually, are Sailor Sky High and Sailor Sutton.
1: It is basically Sailor Sutton, but with a Kobe markup. Uh, yes, but it's slightly lighter. In case you couldn't tell from your little swatching, but it is slightly lighter than Sky High, um, but it's a very rich, pure blue, like bright blue, eye-searing blue, which I haven't gone for in prior years. So last year was more violet blue. The year before was like a cerulean. Good choice.
0: So that brings us to our final segment of this episode and Just In Time too, because um, we've been rattling on for ages. What is your recommendation for this week,
1: Sharon? It can be fountain pen related or not fountain pen related. Okay, so I'm going to start with my fountain pen related one, which is you don't have to buy that ink. Did you know that? Listeners, if you see an ink you like, you don't necessarily have to buy it. So I spent all of 2020 without having bought a single bottle of ink. 2021, I have not technically bought any inks. I did get a new ink. I did get a new ink, which was the Montblanc James Purdy. And I know this just sounds like I'm a Montblanc wanker the entire time because that's all we've been talking about. But it was very, you know, really interesting year ahead. So you don't have to buy that bottle of ink because you will get to a situation where you're like Diana and myself, although I don't think she's had the epiphany yet. I have had the epiphany that I own more ink than I'll ever be able to use in this entire lifetime I could probably fill up a bathtub with the number of bottles of ink that I have and you're never going to get through it all unless you make a concerted effort to try and get through it all and if you don't buy for an entire year you really help your situation because hopefully you would have knocked out a bottle or two and rediscovered it's very, very slow progress, but you may have rediscovered inks you didn't realize you enjoyed in the past, question mark. And for everyone who's all into the shading, the multi-chrome shaders, I know it's really tempting to buy them all, but I swear in two years' time, you're going to look back and go, why did I buy so many shades of tealy aqua inks where when I write with them they all come out the exact same color so that's my fountain pen related recommendation don't buy the ink never thought I'd say that (laughs) you don't have enough storage space for all this ink I don't have enough storage space for all this ink so please join me in hashtag no buy no buy Ink No Buy, Ink No Buy 2021. This is the much anticipated sequel of hashtag Ink No Buy 2020, which I did. And do you have a non-fountain pen related recommendation? I was going to be good this time around and not recommend anything materialistic and for you to go out and buy something. But I have to say, I have already discovered the best thing that I've bought all of 2021. And I know, and I bought this in January. I actually bought it in the first week of January. I have to recommend rain boots, gum boots, wellies, Wellington's, whatever you like to call them. I call them gum boots because I've always called them gum boots I think that's that's what they teach our little kids to call them in Australia. I bought myself a pair of the mid length hunter gum boots because it's been raining oddly enough in Australia and Australia doesn't get a lot of rain we 're very famous for our desert uh, desert climate, but it's been raining and unusual amount and whenever it rains I usually sacrifice a pair of shoes to the rain gods but this time round, I've bought myself a pair of hunter boots so that I can go plod around in the rain and I can take my dog out so that he can do his business outside without me getting my shoes wet basically my best purchase of the year hunter boots cannot recommend them enough. The Queen wears them, I hear. I'm going to recommend something completely different.
0: Um, I'm going to recommend actually two things because you're also recommended two and they're both related. So maybe it tells you something about um, both of us that we're fountain pen um, fanatics and we really appreciate craftsmanship which I have this theory about um, what it takes to be an artisan. I consider it to be a kind of intelligence um, to be able to work with your hands to such a high difficulty, technical difficulty and demanding level, such a high degree of precision and demand. So there's a series on the EDA YouTube channel. They have a series called Handmade, uh, one word. And recently they've been in Japan and Korea And they've been doing a series of short documentaries with traditional craftsmen and artisans um, and how they make utensils and condiments and things that are related to food. So they speak with master craftsmen, you know, like national treasures who make soy sauce the traditional way, who make, um, you know, kimchi uh, fermentation vessels the traditional way. These people who are so good at what they do and yet what they do is so labour intensive that um, it's really quite, it's both demanding and not economically efficient in most people's regard. And so it's a dying art in a lot of cases. And I really appreciate the series of videos, both in terms of how it allows these craftsmen to communicate directly to you. Like it doesn't give them translators. It shows them doing their work in their own, um, their workspaces. And it shows them telling their stories, describing their work. And they're all great communicators. But they talk about what they do in their own languages. It's all um, subtitled. And they're all so passionate and very pragmatic about what they do. Like, they obviously love what they do, but they also understand how grueling a lot of these things are to make, like hauling clay around all day. That takes, that really wears down your body. It gives me the warm and fuzzies watching this. And I love this series of videos. Um, And I think it makes you really appreciate people who work with their hands, you know, make things because I think it's so undervalued. Um, And in line with that recommendation for the Handmade series, I'm going to recommend another documentary from over 10 years ago, which is also about artisans and craftspeople. And it's a documentary made by some American documentarians about, also about food. (laughs) So the movie is called King of Pastry, and it's about a competition that's held annually in France. And I can't remember the name of it because it's in French, but it's, it translates to basically the best artisans or best craftspeople of France. And it's a very um, widely celebrated um, prize to be able to say that you're an MOF, a MOF in whatever um, craft is, you know, like a badge of honor and it allows you to sell your skills at a higher rate. And so it follows these contestants for the Murph MOF and these contestants are all in pastry. So it's this incredibly meticulous, very demanding and also very hilarious (laughs) craft um, because it's like people who spin sugar for their livelihoods and make (laughs) croissants and make chocolates and things like that. And it's just this incredible documentary about um, people who have catastrophic meltdowns about what are really, you know, these tiny little sugar sculptures or um, a cake they spent like 24 hours on and that suddenly like collapses because they put it down on the table in the the wrong weight distribution or whatever and they bumped it somehow. If you like competition um, movies and you like reality TV, you'll love this. It's so funny. It's really dramatic, intense and especially if you love food It's great. And I love seeing people who are really good at what they do with their hands to just do what they do. So um, it's called King of Pastry. And the other recommendation is the Handmade Series on Eater at YouTube. So that's our recommendations for the week.
1: So that is it for our first episode of 2021. We did ramble on a little bit but um, we look forward to bringing you fresh new content for 2021 and fingers crossed that it's going to be better than 2020 although I can't see how it could be worse. Thank you very much, Fearless Leader die. Thank you, Sharon, generous banner factor. Past and future episodes of this podcast can be found at thenibsection.com and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hop onto Apple Podcasts, rate us, review us, recommend us to your friends. Want to share your thoughts, suggestions, feedback? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at thenibsection at gmail.com. You can also comment at us on the Nib Section Facebook page or at the Nib Section on Twitter and Instagram. The Nip section is the official podcast of Fountains Oceania. Our producers this episode were Sharon Tsar and Diana Dye. Recording and editing was done by Diana Dye. Our music was composed by Michael Pierce. Our logo was designed by Will H. Smith with artwork by Melissa